0: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. What is happening, my libertarian friends? Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode 36. Course, that means you can find it at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL36. Uh, not going to be any show notes though, really. There's going to be like one link because today I'm actually recording this about six days before it's going to air because I'm going out of town. I've got house guests here with me. My sister and her boyfriend are staying, and we are going out of town for a wedding and all sorts of other good stuff. So I'm going to record this a little bit early so it's not going to be as topical as per usual. And of course, predictably, as which always happens if I record ahead of time, there's going to be like the biggest thing in the world. Like, without a doubt, North Korea is going to nuke Guam. Like, that's just, it's going to happen because I'm not going to be around to, uh, to record an episode and talk about it. But either way, welcome to the show that's going to be airing after Labor Day. And with that in mind, I want to talk a little bit about unions. Now, I'm sure most of you, uh, like myself, do not have a highly favorable opinion of unions. Uh, Living in California, there's so many union pensions that are unfunded or underfunded that are racking up billions upon billions of dollars in debt. And of course, this all stems from the ridiculous negotiating practices that come from a union where they basically just have one vendor that's a union vendor, and they work with that union, and they give them the contract, and it costs statistically... Costs about 10 to 20% more to give unions the contract than if you just left it up to the free market. I know. We're all shocked. Our jaws hit the ground. But it's seriously, it's 10 to 20% more per union contract. And unions account for roughly 10% of the working population. So you've got these people that are negotiating, getting paid far more money. To do the same job as anybody got any guy off the street, that strong arm tactic, the politicians, the decision makers, and God forbid you actually try to get in and perform a job that a union's on. like I can remember you know, entertainment industry, for example. I do a lot of work with that for public relations. I remember there was a film that we were doing PR for filming in Georgia. It was called Saving Winston Jones, and it's still not. I don't think it's come out yet. It uh, it got tied up in limbo between the director uh, arguing with the production company, arguing with the distributing company, just a whole crazy thing with like Richard Dreyfuss was in it, Danny Glover. It had a good cast. Anywho, they're shooting in Georgia, and because they did not have the right union in place for like one day of the shoot, what happens? These goddamn dickholes go out. They start messing with the people that are working there. They start boycotting and standing around and, not, and block, physically blocking people from being able to go to work, doing that whole picket line thing, and literally, like, I mean, threatening people, these pieces of human garbage, threatening other people that are just trying to do a job because they didn't get their special union-privileged wages and didn't get first crack at this job. And that happens every single day throughout a myriad of industries. Just absolutely drives me crazy. And people say, I I can't stand the the arguments for unions, which is like basically saying that, well, we have to have unions because otherwise employers would just take advantage of employees constantly, which on its face is ridiculous. Again, 90% of the population is not in a union. They seem to be doing just fine. People can negotiate their own wages with their employer. They can make one-on-one contracts without having this blanket deal that covers everybody, including the absolute worst workers. And that's the thing to remember is the, these unions, it's not made up of the best of the best. It's not like they've got high standards. This is, this is not Top Gun where you got Maverick flying around here. The Maverick of iron welding is not in there. High five and goose uh, during, during volleyball games, during the lunch break. No, you got some people that are going to be perfectly acceptable at their jobs. Then you're going to have people that are completely worthless. It's kind of like the $15 minimum wage where you're paying the dregs of society saying, okay, well, even though you're completely incompetent, And I wouldn't hire you if I had the choice. I guess I have to pay you this wage because you're now you're part of this union. So part and parcel, you are the person I am forced to hire and I'm forced to give you way more money than you're worth and just watch you sit around on your ass half the time collecting a paycheck. And again, when it comes to government getting paid 20% more, coming 20% more taxpayers have to pay for these projects, for these roadwork projects. Just is so aggravating, and again, you know all these all these advancements. Like people go, well, you know what? What about you know? Unions help get rid of child labor. Unions help get us the weekend. You wouldn't have weekends if you didn't have unions. Bullshit. First off, child labor got got pushed out by technology. First and foremost, that's it. Look to China. I mean, it's not legislation that does it. It looked to China. There was tons of child labor going on in China. But what happened? Oh, you know what? They modernized their economy. They modernized their plans. As technology progresses, you don't need to have children working anymore because you have a machine that can do more work. People are more productive. When people are more productive, they make more money for less cost to the company, and their children don't have to be put to work. If we did not have the fantastic advancements of society that we have today, you'd still see children working because people have to have their children work to make ends meet. Look at uh, agrarian societies. The children still worked. Nobody complains about child labor laws there. If you grew up on a farm, you're still getting eggs. You're still milking the cow because you need to do it because there's nothing in place to take that job for you necessarily. But as technology comes through, we don't need to do it anymore. And the weekend, there's been there's been ample polls where people in countries that don't have a mandated weekend off, as we do here, That they they say, okay, would you rather, and even people in this country, they say, okay, would you rather be able to work those extra days or would you rather have to have a 40 hour work week and then you're mandated to have this much time off in between? And across the board, people say, I'd rather work more, make more money to improve my lifestyle, to improve the lifestyles of my family, and also retire earlier. I mean, the weekend is not this universal good that people make it out to be. The unions love to cross. Oh, we got you the weekend. Oh, well, thanks a lot. You also got it so that we can't work more than we would want to or, or we can't work as much as we'd like to work because our employers now are not motivated to pay us more, especially because you've got double time or overtime time and a half if you're working over 40 hours a week, which, again, people are probably excited as hell to work that I know I was excited to get overtime. So I was like, great, more money. You know, time and a half, great, sign me up. As much overtime as you could give me, I'll take it. Shove it down my throat. So just unions, they are a complete travesty. There's really, in my opinion, not a need for them in any way, shape, or form in this day and age. The, uh, you know, the great achievements have been won, and now you're seeing unions push back against, again, technology is what has made life easier for us. Unions are now stifling technology. With the one exception of the uh, Air Traffic Controllers Union, who I think is actually pushing for modernization. Every other union, every other union group pushes back against it. Auto workers, uh, if you had food service industry workers band together, you know they would be pushing back against the introduction of the technology where you just order yourself at the counter. There ain't no way that's going to get through if the union has their say. Same thing with these auto plants. The more automation that comes in. Oh, they got to push back. What about the jobs? What about the working man? Well, you know what? Tough Teddy, man. I mean, progress moves forward just because your job is no longer relevant doesn't mean that society owes it to you to keep that job. It's idiocy. Protectionism of of careers is one of the worst things we can do for the economy, worst things we can do for the country overall. I'm sorry. You're making buggy whips. We don't need buggy whips anymore. Get lost. So happy Labor Day, everyone. (laughs) By the way, I mentioned before how hot it gets in my little recording room here. And today it's going to be 90 degrees in L.A. And I know those of you who are on the East Coast where I grew up, I know you're like, oh, that's nothing. We got 98 degrees, and 98 percent humidity out here. Granted, but I also have to record without the benefit of a fan being on because it's too loud, without the A.C. being on because it's too loud. So I just have to sit here and there's a good chance because it's so hot in here and I am sweating so profusely out of every pore of my body, including my backs of my knees, I got swamp ass going on right now, there's a good chance that I may die in the middle of this podcast because like a Final Destination-style death where I'm going to sweat so much, the pool of sweat will touch the power cord that is on the ground, electrifying me through the microphone as I'm recording this. So let's all pray. Take a time out, hit pause, say a little prayer for your buddy Brian over here, and, uh, and then we'll continue on. Now, <laughs> now that we've covered unions a little bit, I want to get into an article that uh, my brother-in-law, good man, Stephen, shared with me. He was on the podcast, you may remember him. And he sent me this article, and it, it is a British writer who was arguing that we have to nationalize Google and Amazon and Facebook. Which is... <laughs> I mean, it's hard to sum up his argument and not make it sad. I mean, it's so dumb that it's hard for me to even uh, sum it up in a way that would make any logical sense. But I'll, I'll try to I'll try to describe where he's coming from. So basically, his argument is that these companies are so huge, like the Amazons of the world that control you know all these products, that he's saying that they need to be nationalized because they're they're forcing retail to close and go out of business. Which again, how? How protectionist can you be? This is just, I mean, just like what I was talking about these stupid unions. Protecting retail because you say, oh, well, it's going to save jobs. No, it doesn't make any sense. As technology moves forward, if those retail stores are closing, it's because people have clearly chosen. The market is speaking. They prefer this way of shopping. They prefer to be able to order it online, have it delivered. Much easier, much simpler. Far more choices than you get going to an individual store. You can still choose to do that if you need to try something on. And we'll see if all these retail stores close. I actually have a great business idea I'm going to do to... Uh, well, I can't say it online. You guys, will, you guys will steal it, you bunch of goddamn thieves. And as we know, we're anti-IP laws here. So yeah, I, can't, I just can't tell anybody about it. <laughs> I don't want it to get, get taken out from under my nose. But you say so you've got this industry, clearly the free market speaking here. And they're saying, well, we got to protect these jobs. No, no, we don't. Because as if anything, as business changes... The jobs are created somewhere else. And look, if you're working in retail, you clearly don't have a skill set which is necessarily going to be like, holy crap, you're irreplaceable. No, you have a skill set. Maybe you're friendly with people. Maybe you're good at folding shit. I don't know. But you can clearly take whatever skill set you have and reapply it to another job. Maybe you're doing customer service for Amazon now. The more orders that go through Amazon, the more customer service agents they need need. Or maybe you're working with Amazon in the shipping department. Maybe you work at UPS, maybe you work at FedEx, maybe USPS, which delivers, uh, you know, 90% of Amazon's products now. I mean, Amazon basically saved the USPS, by the way. They were running in the red, and I think they're finally back to being stable. But, you know, look, just because you're in an industry doesn't mean, again, that it should be saved or protected. Go do something else. Throughout history, that has been the way it works, and that is the way it will continue to work. As one industry fails and another rises, jobs open up in that new industry. So get going. So anyway, stupid point this guy's making in regards to Amazon. But he also talks about Google and he talks about uh, Facebook. He wants to nationalize Facebook, which, of course, is, uh, is you know, how Hugo Chavez, huge fan of that idea. It's how Chavez book got started. Very popular in Venezuela. Only thing is any poll you post in Venezuela on Facebook or on, on Chavez uh, book Always comes back with the same poll result. Even if you're asking what kind of donuts people like best, same poll result comes back, which is Hugo Chavez wins the presidency. That's it. Every poll. So, anywho, getting back to the point here. So he wants to argue that we need to nationalize Facebook and Google because of their control over data. And because he argues that so many people solely get their news and opinions from Facebook that it has to be controlled by government because, you know, we can't have a private entity controlling what content people can see. And he's also saying that nothing will ever replace Facebook, which, I mean, goes against every concept, every proof of history that's ever happened. How many industries do we see where, they, where one company is dominating? And then they talk about like Microsoft, for example. Microsoft is still a very wealthy company but microsoft dominated the computer marketplace absolute stranglehold apple was a blip in the radar i remember my dad had one because he was in again entertainment industry people they would they would gravitate towards mac cuz they were better for graphics programs and editing everyone else myself included had a pc and microsoft windows was omnipresent and people were talking about okay well you know what we need to break them up we need to we need to this is a monopoly now we have to stop this and of course what happens as soon as they start talking about this oh look at that apple rises up they come up with a competing product that is a a mimic essentially a better uh, a better mimic of the windows system And wow, they do a rebranding. They come out with a new product line that's flashy. It's more attractive to younger people coming up. And slowly and surely, what happens? Apple overtakes PC. Now, not to say PC is dead, but overall, you see a hell of a lot more people with MacBooks. Uh, The iPhone clearly is omnipresent. So you've got them transferring over to this brand new product. So, oh, looks like we didn't need to have any monopoly talk at all. Looks like the free market solved this problem. Anytime there's a product that is dominating a market, there's going to be people that are sick of that product or there's going to be somebody else that says, God damn, this industry is huge. Why am I not taking advantage of it? I better get my shit together and put out a competing product that people are going to like a lot better. So again, with Facebook, really, you don't think it's ever going to go away? I already hate Facebook. Facebook. I only use it because we're, no, we're not on anything else. I despise Facebook. I can't stand their news feed of liberal crap that they try to push down my throat. Even when something's trending, like that's so hugely anti progressive in its nature, like an Antifa beat you know, Antifa beating people. You don't see that in the Facebook feed because they choose what liberal news they push down your throat. But look at MySpace, okay? MySpace is dead. That was the biggest thing in the world. Facebook? Just yeah, it's gonna be that forever. No, get the hell out of here. He's saying that human, because Facebook does so much investigation into human behavior that they're always going to be a step ahead. Oh, really? They're going to stay. They're that good. You know what? If they're that good at knowing what I want, maybe they should be around forever. I still don't think they need to be nationalized. Keep them forever because they're doing a great job then. If it's a great product and they're doing a great job and they're updating it and they're giving me what I want to see, then great. Good job, Facebook. The government should not be able to take it over. And same thing with Google. If Google's doing a good job, government should be able to take him over either. Just because they own the data doesn't mean that the government will do a better job with that data. I mean, that is the most terrifying thing I can think of. And this idiot is arguing. This idiot, I, th- I think it's right, like the Telegram. Let me look it up. It is actually for The Guardian. This guy writes for The Guardian. And I'll link to this in the show notes. But he's saying that because the data is, is so valuable that the government has to take it over, the government's the last entity in the world that I want to have control of all of my browsing history, of all of my order history, of all my, my Facebook interactions, my private chats on Facebook with people. If they take over Google, Gchat, they're going to have access to your email I mean, how stupid do you have to be to argue this point, that the government should take over all of these functions, all of these organizations, and then have all of the access to our data? We already saw what happened with the NSA. We already saw the government has no qualms about breaking the constitutional amendments and spying on its own domestic citizens. No problem with it. And we're just going to give them the keys to the castle and say, oh, here you go. Thanks a lot, government. You know what? It's in good hands. No one is going to be more trustworthy than you. Who are the people that think this way? Who are the people that look at government and everything government does and continues to do and thinks that the government is actually the people that have our best interest at heart? No. What's going to happen as you're going to start reading all of our emails, all of our browser history, you're going to start getting people rated. you're going to see people flagged, you're going to get people added to terrorist watch lists, just because of shit they're looking up online. I mean, as of now, they technically need a warrant to get your search history. If they have access to all of it, ain't no warrant going to need. It's going to browse it all the time. Everybody's getting flagged. Just, it just pisses me off so badly. It's just such an idiotic argument. Okay, moving on. You know what? Let's throw it to commercial, guys. And again, I apologize. this is going to be a short episode. I'm literally, uh got my family in the background here. So again, I will make this up when I have a little bit more time next week. I'll do an extra long episode, I promise you. But uh, let me throw it to commercial and I will be right back with a bit more ranting in my sweat box of a studio here. Two, one. Hey, folks, I'm Remso W. Martinez, the host of the one, the only Remso Republic podcast. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking, to be exact. This is a pitch for another show. I already listened to too many. But hey, I've got news for you. Each and every Wednesday, you can escape the mindless entertainment and loud political pundits by escaping to the place which truly is the clash of punk rock and politics, the Remso Republic. From comedians to politicians to real-life superheroes and liberty activists, we don't stick to normal often as we hard-charge each and every week to bring you the freshest entertainment and news in an ocean of shows fighting for your attention. We're on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and many more platforms. Don't miss out, join the fun, and be awesome. Stay up to date with the latest news and updates by visiting Renzorepublic.com. All right, I am back in here. Let's do a little segment on uh, this weekend irony. <laughs> I wish I had a little a little sound jingle for that, but uh, ain't got no time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Mm, ain't nobody. All right, so I uh, I love this story. I love this story so much that I'm about to tell you. So L'Oréal hired a uh, a transsexual model named Monroe Bergdorf, who's based in London. And uh, she was supposed to be part of the French cosmetic brand's uh, ad campaign that was rolling out celebrating diversity, right? And, of course, when you're celebrating diversity, you're also theoretically celebrating uh, the celebration of all peoples and everybody merging together, getting along in harmony. (laughs) So this chick, and I say that with quotes around it, posts this online. She posted it on, uh, I mean, just Friday when I'm recording this today. So, here's what she posted. Honestly, I don't have energy to talk about the racial violence of white people anymore. Yes. All caps. All white people. So, L'Oreal gets wind of this. And (laughs) Candorass! Round of applause. Round of applause for that. Love it. I mean, my God. Talk about just being tone deaf and having no clue. Like... you were hired for a campaign celebrating diversity, celebrating people getting along, celebrating accepting people for who they are. And you go on Facebook and you post shit like this saying that all white people are racist. How stupid are you? And I, I love that they took no thought, no time. They just were like, no, you're done. Cut. Get lost. Thanks for the fun. So great. So great. So this this chick goes on later to clarify. She goes, When I stated that all white people are racist, I was addressing the fact that Western society as a whole is a system rooted in white supremacy, designed to benefit, prioritize, and protect white people before any of other races. So it's like, okay, now you're just now you're just trying to backtrack. You're using the old the old cliche of, okay. The systems against me, white society. Again, it's this victim mentality, this victim society. Meanwhile, you know what, girl? You had a chance to have, make a ton of money over, the, over a system that is bending over backwards and has been bending over backwards for quite some time for people of color, for people that are, uh, are being uh, prejudiced, you know, have prejudiced thoughts against these kind of people like transgenders. Transgenders, it's their time in the sun right now. And now what are you using it for? You're using your time in the sun to trash all white people probably a lot of white people that helped gave you that contract i'll tell you that much <laughs> so i just i love that she was can. but you know it's it's one of these things that we were talking about it on an earlier podcast they were talking about it, it might have been with joe prano and andy Ruther when they were on the show but we were talking about how you know it used to be these The gay bars were gays only and because, you know, no straight guys wanted to go in there. They left them alone. And now, because everybody's more accepting of other people, you know, gay guys and straight guys, straight guys will go to a gay bar and hang out or uh, girls will come in to a gay bar because they're like, well, whatever, we're all just people now, right? I don't care. I'm just going to, we're all going to hang out together. What's the big deal? And the gay guys are getting really pissed off about it. Now they're like, oh, you know, what is this? They're invading our space. And it's like, well, this is what you wanted, wasn't it? (laughs) <laughs> this is now that you've got what you wanted, you're you're lashing out. This is like an example of that. You know, you're a transgender model. You're a 0001 percent of the population that lucked into this contract, and you're being rewarded for just basically being uh, <laughs> an outlier. I would say you're an outlier of society. But because we're so concentrated on diversity and making sure everybody gets a pat on the head and, and everybody knows that it's all good in the hood, this person gets this opportunity. And now because, again, the I don't know, the privilege, now you got to turn and, and bite back and say that all white people are racist. Shouldn't you just be happy as hell that you're in the position you're at? It's just so stupid. So funny, though. So, so funny. So anyway, that's a good time. I greatly enjoyed that one. All right, next thing I want to talk about real quick is news broke today that James Comey, famed former FBI director James Comey, drafted Hillary Clinton's exoneration before he even finished the investigation. This is according to GOP senators. And it looks to be true. I saw some of the typed uh, documentation, and it certainly looks like he was like, nah, Whatever. And he's like in the middle of the investigation and he's already being like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to file. She's exonerated. Nothing to see here. I mean, talk about being a shill for the system. And, 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 you know, James Comey, by the way, goes way back with the Clintons, way, way back. Like, there's documentation of him being uh, involved in that, that lawyer uh, that law- went to jail over the, the Clintons, Whitewater. He took the, the fall for them. Comey was involved in setting that up. Comey's involved in getting them out of all sorts of different legal troubles in the past. Like, this guy is in the Clinton camp. And this just cements the fact. Like, I hope to God that they go after Hillary Clinton. I'm sick of her getting off the hook. Trump, at this point, what are you saving, man? Everybody already hates you. Go get her. Go rip her up. You're not going to get the wall built. And he already said that he's not going to hold up the budget either if the wall doesn't get built. So that's basically gone. That promise is never going to come to fruition. So go get Clinton. That was your other big promise. You're going to put Clinton behind bars. You're not going to let her get away with it. Go get her. Because I want to see her in a jumpsuit making license plates that say, I suck for Bill. Which, of course, would be Monica Lewinsky's custom plate. <laughs> it's never too late for a Monica Lewinsky joke, folks. It's uh, it's an evergreen joke. Could always use it. So this will be fun to watch over the next uh, the coming week because I want to see I want to see all the fallout from this. I want to see, and additionally, there's more emails that have continued to be released. By the way, Judicial Watch is doing a great job of going after new emails because they went after the emails that were on her personal account. That were deleted and and bleach-bitted and everything else. But they thought, you know what? Why don't we go for her contact's email records with a request for information? Because those people may not have deleted all of their conversations with Clinton. And those are on the state servers because they didn't have their own private email accounts they were using. They were still using their state.gov or whatever it is. So those people, Huma and her other aides, they might have long records of doing sheisty shit for the Clinton Foundation or anything else to do these cover-ups. So it's an exciting time. And I'm uh, I'm very happy to be, to be living at this moment to witness what could be the final comeuppance for Hillary Clinton. So very excited about that. Uh, one thing I want to close on, guys, is that We may actually be seeing the worm turn on Antifa. Uh, It's to the point where I know that there's been discussions. and They they actually may, by the time it says, they might even officially be categorized as a gang slash uh, violence organization. I think that actually may have gotten pushed through. So officially, Antifa will be branded as a gang and be uh, eligible for the special laws that govern the prosecution and, uh, and targeting of those people by law enforcement. And not only are we seeing this happen with Antifa, but we're also seeing more people actually step up and condemn them. Uh, like I said in the last podcast, you had uh, so you know the mayor actually stepping up, uh, or the mayor of uh, Berkeley, excuse me stepping up and saying, okay, you know, violence is no good on anybody. Nancy Pelosi, I think, actually came out and condemned Antifa, which is the first. So the left is finally seeing after these, after these horrible incidents where peaceful people are just being beaten to a pulp, what this group actually is. So we're finally seeing them come out and say, okay, we were wrong. <laughs> they're not going to say that, that people like us were right, of course, but they're just going to say, okay, we don't support Antifa any longer. And uh, tying into that, just a a quick little joke, I do want to say, and then I'm going to wrap the show on this, but I was laughing to myself because I saw a story on this new breakthrough they had with, you know, there's like, sometimes stars will emit radio signals, so it's been intermittent, it's been hard to track where they're coming from, or it's like deep space. So we've got these monitoring programs that monitor for deep space radio broadcasts that might be other alien entities. So, this new, uh, this new monitoring station, or maybe it's not new, but it's called Breakthrough Listen, and it's based in where? University of California, Berkeley. So they're listening for Radio Waves, and they finally got these, uh, these broadcasts, 48 gigahertz frequency band, which is usually used for satellite communications transmissions, but they've gotten these bursts, and they're actually like a regular, uh, a regular burst, so like 15 of them. And it's kind of a breakthrough because they said, "Okay, this actually might be something legitimate because there's nothing that making these like consistent bursts like this that we've seen before. So they say here's a quote. The Breakthrough Listen team has detected 15 more busts coming from FRB 121102, which is the name of the area of space, I guess. Vishal Gajar, a postdoctoral researcher at the University of California, Berkeley, where it's based, observed the new burst during a monitoring effort run. Over five hours, they collected 400 terabytes of data over the 8 gigahertz frequency band. So I just had to laugh. And you say, why, Brian? What's so funny about that? Here's what's funny about this. I love that Berkeley can listen to radio signals from millions of light years away. But God forbid they listen to the opinion of anybody that doesn't agree with their progressive bullshit without beating them to a pulp. (laughs) I just love it. I love it. Oh God, the juxtaposition. You see, it's it's the. Eh, I'm not going to explain it. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it again. Apologies for the shortened show as I slowly sweat to death. I made it, though. No final destination death here. So uh, this show will be broadcast as per usual on Wednesday. And uh, again, super, super promise. Swear to God, I will do at least uh, an hour-long show for you uh, coming up next week because I do feel ashamed that I've only been able to put together a couple half-hour episodes for you. But hey, good news at least, wasn't hungover clinging to life this show. So, you know, everybody wins there. Except my liver, because I'm going to beat the living crap out of this thing tonight. All right, guys. Take her easy. Remember, follow me at Brian McWilliams on Twitter. Follow at Lions of Liberty. Don't forget to listen to John Odie Odermat on Felony Fridays every Friday, talking about the justice system. Listen to Mark Claire on Mondays with in-depth interviews with Liberty leaders. Don't forget to support us lionsofliberty.com forward slash support for all our special content and additionally guys you sign up now even the five dollar level you're gonna get a free koozie you get discounts on some t-shirts it's great and i also want to throw a, uh, a quick shout out you can buy t-shirts for electric liberty land at lionsofliberty.store got some awesome awesome designs in there and final thing, guys, I want to wrap up. I know a lot of you have already donated a lot of, uh, of money helping our cause, helping DonorSea, helping Walk the Walk, and helping the Cajun Navy, which is the project that we were helping to fund on, uh, on DonorSea to help with Hurricane Harvey. I also want to, uh, to link to another cause that we're helping to promote, a listener of our show, a Pride member named Daniel, a great guy he also is asking for a little bit of help. So if you're listening to this, even if you have five bucks, you can throw his way to help his family in Houston. They were impacted by the floods like so many others were. And uh, God, I've seen pictures of his house's, completely flooded out four feet deep in the living room. And it's just uh, it's a nightmare for everybody involved. So anything you can do to help, we would greatly appreciate. And I will put links to that, uh, both the Daniels and the Cajun Navy, in the show notes so you can find them there. All right, guys. Thank you so much from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged in to Liberty.